Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. That is true. It is. No goofing around today. Nope. None. No more hour-long episodes. This is a serious <laughs> place where we do serious things. That's right. I tell my kids that all the time, like, hey, mm. you laughing? This is a serious house, <laughs> not a fun house. Like, Daddy, you're so funny. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Because then I wouldn't be allowed in this house. But oh, this house... Is a serious house. It is a serious house. We've got five episodes to do in the next 30 minutes. That's accurate. <laughs> there is so much that takes place. And the truth is, this is a new thing for us because this is what it's going to be like from here on out. Yeah, pedal to the metal. Like, it's it's intense. Right. It's fast. So let's do it and quit talking about okay, it. Okay, cool. Let's, let's get busy and quit talking about how busy we are. Forest. Forest. So here's the thing. Okay. We had a huge, we've, we've had huge transitions all throughout. It's true. Right? Um, the earth was void and without form, mm-hmm. and then it has form. Huge transition. Right? Mm-hmm. The dawning of a new age. Mm-hmm. We have the, uh, the transition from that, uh, that narrative of that, that opening of how things are going into mm. the call of Abram. God is going to redeem this. Right. And so that that opening bit is transitioned into the redemption story. Mm-hmm. You have Exodus. The then Exodus. we have Exodus, which is another dawning of a new age, the mm-hmm. establishment of Israel in the promised land. Mm-hmm. We have the exile, yeah. which is a turning of a page. Mm-hmm. We have the coming of the Messiah. Yeah. And now we have the church age. Yeah. So every time we turn into these big sections of Scripture, we need to recognize them. So today we turn to a new chapter, we turn the page into a new place and a new way of looking at the progress of God's redemptive narrative. Mm, Nice. I love it. That's a big word for Forrest. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. But basically another new thing. Another new thing. All right. I like it. I like it. So this week in our podcast, we're actually going to start with a reading that's like the third day in, just for the sake of kind of maintaining some kind of coherent narrative of what's going on. So John 18, we get John's account of the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we've already kind of seen this scene play out and, you know, the dialogue that John decides to include is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. because... When they come seeking Jesus, and they're trying to determine that he is, in fact, Jesus, it's dark out, it's nighttime. Right. This is pre-electricity. He responds... Thanks for that historical context. You're welcome. It's useful. Just just in case you didn't know. Yep. He responds, I am he. Mm -hmm. Or in the Greek, ego, eimi. Yes. And everybody falls down. Can't believe it. Like, they literally fall down. Yeah. Um... Which is kind of intense. It is. Kind of a, a, a different, you know, added perspective and layer of mm-hmm. meaning to what's going on here. We get the sword, you know, Peter chopping off the ear. We get that whole episode again. We get an account of then Peter's denial whilst the high priest is questioning Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. John starts referring to himself as the one that Jesus loved. Yeah. Do you think he did that like while they were a group? He spoke about himself in third person, but instead of calling himself John, mm. he called himself the one that Jesus loved. He's walked around singing, Jesus loves me. This yeah. Yeah. Because that would probably like I can think of 11 guys that would get fed up with that. Probably. Yeah. But see, the thing is, like, we know now that, like, John outlived the other 11. Right. So maybe by this point, you know, he's the only one left. And so he's just like, yeah, I was special. (laughs) (laughs) But in any case, um, that kind of wraps up all of the gospel accounts prior to the final day. Right. And so we get into Matthew 27, Mark 15, and Luke 23 which are all, you know, all three synoptic gospels, all fairly similar accounts in mm-hmm. what they, um, they've been led to include. Um, Matthew 27 opens with Judas's, I won't say repentance. I'm not sure what the right word for it is. Yeah. Grief over what he's done. Right. Regret. 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 Yeah, that's a good word. Um, and, you know, he, he comes and brings the money back to the priest and says... He says, I have sinned against innocent blood. Mm-hmm. And the priests are like, not our problem. Yeah, that's a you thing. Yeah. That's not a me thing. That's, yeah. You should probably do something about that. And so he chooses to hang himself. Right. And the priests are kind of looking at this money bag laying on the floor thinking, well, we probably shouldn't put it in the treasury. So let's. Because we got morals. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> apparently um so we'll buy a field and bury foreigners in it and call it the field of blood yeah which is interesting yeah so the one thing that you're going to notice in this you, you can't help but notice when it comes to the trial uh, uh, yeah the arrest the trial the crucifixion and the resurrection we have this recorded but they're not identical. No, it's true. There's there's some space in there and times when you're like, well, I thought he did this. Mm-hmm. What did the sign above Jesus say? Mm-hmm. Right? And so this is, this is what we want to do. What we want to do is we want to look at it in such a way as to say, what would happen if absolute pandemonium broke out and the people in the middle of it had to record the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would that look like? Yeah. Now, the challenge is going to be this. The challenge to that is going to be, but if you believe that the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. then you're not going to have space for that kind of a thing. But that's not necessarily true. Right. We're not arguing that any of these accounts are wrong. That's right. Right? We're not going to say, well, this is the right account and this is the wrong account, or they're all suspect because they say things a little bit differently. What we're going to say is when it comes to people recording truth, mm-hmm. they're going to choose different things to focus on. Yeah, John kind of focuses on that. Actually, he actually addresses that later on in this week's reading, kind of saying, like, if you recorded everything that right. Jesus had done, like you wouldn't have you wouldn't have enough room right. for the books. So so did John and Peter race? To the tomb, mm-hmm. where Peter entered into the tomb, mm-hmm. or did Peter kneel down and look in? Those are two variants. But they can also. But both they both happen. happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we don't want to get too caught up on on minor distinctions. I think what we'll just do is, as we're working through the story, just mention some of the things that one author 
decides to include to kind of give us a, a a fuller picture of everything that happened. Right. I think that's that's the benefit to having four different views. Yeah. Is we get we get a fuller picture. Right. Right. Um. So Jesus is before Pilate. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's he's relatively passive in his interactions with Pilate. John gives us a little bit more of an interaction in the discussion that he has with Pilate. Yeah, Pilate's an interesting guy in this, isn't it? He mm-hmm. He's pretty much on Jesus' side. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not good for his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has to make some career decisions. Mm-hmm. Even though his wife says, Don't mess with Run. this guy. Yeah. Run from this yeah, thing. Yeah, she's had a dream, and it's, it's been bothering her this whole, like, the whole day. Yeah, but his, like, he tries to get out of this a number of times until yeah. finally he just throws up his hands. Yeah. Which we will find out later in Scripture does not relieve him from the guilt. No. But he thinks it does. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the most interesting things uh, that John records is when Jesus is explaining to him who he is and what he's done. Mm-hmm. Right? He, Jesus says to him, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate in like complete like postmodern yes you know what i mean fashion relativist fashion which is like he's he's like 2000 years ahead of his time just says what is truth right trendsetter yeah i guess so yeah right. my my favorite thing in the interaction between the two of them when we we get that closer look is when pilate asks him are you the king of the jews jesus says are you asking because you want to know? Or are you asking because they're telling you I said that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is what? What's the motivation here? Is this something that you're trying to learn and grow? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, Luke Luke includes the short little jaunt over to Herod's place and back. Mm-hmm. Nothing really of consequence happens no. there. He's just getting passed back and forth. Pilate just doesn't want to deal with this, right? essentially. So then he gives them the choice between... Releasing Jesus and Barabbas because it is the feast of the Passover. Because he's got an idea. Yeah, he's like, okay, this is how I can get out of it, and uh, doesn't work. It doesn't work. The people visiting insurrectionist. Yeah, is released. Yeah, and and when when Pilate's like, look, I'm washing my hands of this. What does the crowd say? They say his blood be on us and Mm. on our children. Mm. I need a moment. Every time, every time I read that, I need a moment. Yeah. It stops you. It's like, yeah. You remember, you remember way back when we had a judge who goes forward and he's like, this is the word, this is the message God's given me. And he says, all right, and you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to pile on that. The next thing that comes out of my house, I'm going to sacrifice. Just, yes. You don't have to pile on. Yeah. Why do you got to bring your kids into this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. But the reality is, as we've spoken about before, when Jesus has predicted the terrible things that are coming to Jerusalem, this city, um, it's these people and their children that are going to suffer the consequences of it. Mm. And it's it's severe. Um, then Jesus is handed over, and he endures mockery and beatings. Yeah. And the, the the false things that are said. Yeah. He he said this. He's trying to do this. He's doing this. Mm-hmm. And even that, like, even that pilot's like, it's not true. 
Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see any guilt in this man. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he said he's going to. No, he didn't. Right? Pilate realizes this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he knows what's up. But then beaten, mm-hmm. like you said, um, it dawned on me today, like, while Jesus was being beaten, all he had to do was have the thought of getting out of this. Yeah. And it would have severely turned the tables. Mm-hmm. Like, I know there's there's talk and there's going to be more talk about, you know, crying out and legions of angels coming down and all that kind of stuff. But we're talking about the one who spoke creation into existence. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to call angels. Mm-hmm. At the thought of forget you, mm-hmm. everything changes. Yeah. And he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And the only time we hear him verbalize anything about these people that are beating him, it's for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I think I think there's so much inside of this for us to glean mm-hmm. because... At heart, I'm not a pacifist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to put up with that, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I should. Mm-hmm. But I watch Christ, and I think, man, you talk about a guy who was, by all accounts, innocent mm-hmm. and able. Yeah, the ableness to, to end what was going on adds a compounding factor to the gravity of him enduring that punishment, right? Because right? it'd be one thing for any one of us to willingly walk into a situation and endure something terrible on behalf of someone else. Mm-hmm. But once we've, once we've taken that step, like we're done, like we can't do anything about it right. at any moment, at every moment, Christ could have just stopped it. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's tough. And it just makes you think like, when I'm feeling entitled and no, I'm going to just like, who am I? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about the two thieves? Sure. There's by most accounts, there's not a lot said mm-hmm. except that at one point, both of them are in his face. Mm-hmm. Later. One of them says, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a whole other level of just bitter. Mm. To be hanging for your death. Mm-hmm. And you still feel like you need to take it out on someone. Mm. And not the people who've done this to you. Yeah. But some other guy who's just beside you dying. Mm-hmm. That's that's cruel and bitter to a crazy level. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the process of it, the guy repents and says, no, this is, this is not right. Mm-hmm. Um, we deserve to be here and he doesn't, and we know it, uh, asks to be remembered in the kingdom. And Jesus says, by all means, Mm -hmm. which goes back to the lesson about the tenants who get paid the same, no matter what time they showed up at work. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard a number of people talk about things like, oh, well, um, like Jehovah's Witness will tell you that. There has to be, you have to do a certain level of practice, mm-hmm. evidence, 
that you really meant it. Mm-hmm. When you throw the thief at the cross at them, they're like, well, that's a different thing, yeah. right? I don't think it is. I don't think it's a different thing. It also, anyone who's like, oh, well, if you're not baptized, you're not saved, mm. right? In all of Scripture, there are very few moments when Jesus says, you're going to be there. Just so you know, you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. He says that to the uh, the apostles, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to prepare a place for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says that here uh, to this guy. Yeah. No works, yep. no baptism, faith. Nice. Which brings up a very interesting question. Judas. Mm-hmm. Was his repentance... Will you, Will we meet Judas one day? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, w- I was always brought up to believe that absolutely no way it was an abomination beyond repentance. Mm-hmm. But what sin is greater than the cross? Mm-hmm. And even if in his freak out moment of realizing what he does, he goes about it terribly. And instead of falling on the Lord in repentance, he takes things into his own hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of question in that, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's because the, Jesus kind of makes comments about what Judas is going to do beforehand, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, and we make there's there's soteriological weight to be put on it, but we may put a lot of soteriological weight on the whole um, not one that the Father has given me what I lose, mm-hmm. but we also find out in the arrest scene the fulfillment of that was that those guys weren't arrested with him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So Judas wasn't there with them. I yeah. Know. I don't know. Interesting stuff. Let me get Jesus' words on the cross. Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. Mm-hmm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is quoting Psalm 22. Am I right? I think so. You're not. So. You're nodding your head. I'm. I'm rocking. <laughs> I should have put it down in my notes. I'm just rocking myself to yeah. sleep over here. And you have. You have. A, like through once. Like through the various gospel accounts, you get these different characters, people who were there, and their responses. Right. And yeah, the thing. The thing that grabbed them. Mm-hmm. Saturian. Oh. Like he's just blown away. Right. Truly, this man was the son of God. Um, the guy. Like when we. The significance of the people that aren't the apostles and, and the immediate friends and family mm-hmm. that make their appearance um, is is something to note, mm-hmm. right? Like we hear all the time, like, oh, yeah, there's a rich man in town who said, yeah, you can use mm-hmm. my uh, tomb. Yeah, but he was a council member. He's a council member. Yeah. That that does not need to be overlooked. Mm-hmm. Like he, this guy's career. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure when Pilate come, when he comes to Pilate, Pilate's like, oh, no, not these guys again. <laughs> and he makes a request. Pilate has to be like, what? Mm-hmm. Weren't you in here like 10 minutes ago? Right. Tell, saying crucify him? Yeah. No, he wasn't. Joseph of Arimathea was right. not. He, he, was, was, he was not, but his people were. His people were, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said he was a good and righteous man, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so the Pharisees... They want to get ahead of anything too, any funny business. Ah. They don't want to they don't want to have this the whole thing come around because they've heard what Jesus has been saying and they're like, "You know what? We got to make sure that that, you know, 
that this thing ends today. Right. So they're going to seal the tomb. They're going to put a guard at the tomb. And then they, they're going to pay the guards. Well, that's, yeah, that's after. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> they are going to pay them. Probably right. pay them twice. Um, okay, so then, I mean, that's the end. Jesus is taken down from the cross. He's put in the tomb. Right. We get to the third day. And, and here's the weight of this whole scenario on the Christian faith. There are a number of secular authors, secular scholars, mm-hmm. who study historical trend, who study ancient scripture, mm-hmm. that will tell you, I am not a believer, but Jesus Christ rose from the dead, based on just what we read. Right. They will say, it's insufficient for me to believe that he is the Son of God and needs to be worshipped, mm-hmm. but it's inconceivable to believe that a historical Jesus did not live, die, and raise from the dead hmm. of his own power. Because the Romans, this is not the first person they've killed. They do this. Yeah, they're professionals. This is what they do. Mm-hmm. And the consequences of an executioner who does not succeed in his job is that he fills that role. Mm-hmm. And becoming the executed. Mm-hmm. They're not going to let Jesus down all willy-nilly. Right? And they double-check. They pierce his side, yeah. Not only with the spear, but also Pilate is shocked that he's dead already. Mm-hmm. And says, is this true? And the guy says, yeah, we've checked. Mm-hmm. He's buried in a tomb that is then sealed and guarded. Again, Roman guards are not going to allow someone to escape mm-hmm. because it's literally their head Yeah, to allow someone to escape. If the apostles decided that they were going to actually do what they're being accused of by the Jews, they're going to actually just sort of steal the body and say, see, he's risen. Mm. After that necessarily comes some kind of gain for them. Right. Right? Yeah. So what we have is we have 13 guys that would come together for a conspiracy. Yeah. And what they decide is that one of them, their leader, is going to die. This is not good for him. Right. And then the other 12 are going to pretend like he didn't die. They're going to claim that he lived. Yet, they're all going to be put to death for that claim. Yeah. Yeah, it's one thing. There's no win for them. Yeah, it's one thing for a group of people to get together and lie about something if there is a tangible benefit. Right. But to literally persist in that for years and endure, you know, beatings, imprisonments, and ultimately execution. With not one of them going back on their story. Right. That's just like that doesn't happen. If it were a conspiracy, it is the worst. <laughs> conspiracy ever. It's a bad plan. Let's conspire mm-hmm. something that has no option except that we all die for what we conspired for. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when it comes to the sort of the apologetic, can we believe these things are historically true? Secular scholarship says, oh yeah. It's pretty solid. Read the case for Christ. It's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mary and Mary go to see the tomb. Mm-hmm. Angels there. Um, John is fast but scared. John is fast but scared. Yeah, the the fi- finally we get to the point where where uh, John outruns <laughs> Peter. <laughs> We've referenced it a couple of times already. 
Um, yeah, it, it, I just love that he throws that in there. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and the one whom Jesus loved mm-hmm. beat him there. That's right. <laughs> in case he tells you otherwise. Mm. I didn't go in first, granted, mm-hmm. but I beat him there. Yeah. We get the uh, the account in Luke 24 of Jesus appearing to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love is that, you know, they don't recognize him. Right. They're all, they're upset. Yeah. They're disappointed. Yeah. They're hanging their heads. Possibly even divinely mm. prevented. Prevented from seeing, sure. yeah. And he's like, what are you guys, like, what do you guys think? Like, this was all supposed to happen. Right. And then lays it all out, starting in Moses and going through the prophets, why this was supposed to be. They get to like an inn or something. He breaks bread. Suddenly they're like, oh, it's Jesus. And then he disappears. Yep. And then they run all the way back. (laughs) They just walked like seven miles and then they just run back. So Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, Yeah, we get the, the account of Tom, the whole situation with Thomas, the one you said he gets too much flack for. I think so. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the other disciples, Jesus walks into them and he says to them, here I am. Mm-hmm. Touch me. Yeah. Give me some food, too. I'll eat yeah. that. Yeah. Touch me. Listen to me. Look, check it out. Mm-hmm. This is me in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And he proves it to them. And he tells them, why do you doubt? Mm-hmm. Can't you see me? And so Thomas says, essentially, I will share your doubt apart from your same experience. Right. Yet, for some reason, we throw Thomas under the bus as the one who doubted, and everyone else was just game for this. <laughs> right, right. I, yeah. I think the whole doubting Thomas thing go, mm-hmm. goes too far. Mm-hmm. I, I've even heard, like, if Thomas gets mentioned earlier in Scripture, people be like, we got to remember that his personality is that he's a doubter. And so this is going to, a, like, this need, that needs to inform this interaction. And t- no, it doesn't. Right, right. He was a guy who was going through some really serious stuff. Everyone else had privilege mm-hmm. to an experience and information that he didn't. Mm-hmm. And so when the rest of them were convinced, he still was struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. The end of John... Where Jesus meets with the disciples in Galilee, mm-hmm. out on the, he's on the the beach. They're out in a boat. There's back to like same old, same old kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, you guys aren't catching anything. Throw the net on the other side." And suddenly it's full. Yeah. And immediately they know. And Peter, like the Peter, rest, leaves them high and dry. Yeah. The, the The rest of the disciples sail back to the shore on the boat. Peter just like rips his shirt off and jumps into the water. And Other way out. around, he puts the shirt on and jumps into the water. Oh, is that what he does? Yeah. That's weird. He was disrobed for uh, because of his work and he throws his shirt on. Jumps wow. in the water. He's be a strong swimmer. I guess he's a fisherman. Fair enough. Yeah. Um and that interaction between Jesus and Peter. Ooh. Peter, do you love me? The skit guys years ago did a skit on this. Mm. Go to YouTube, the skit guys. Um uh, what would the name of that skit be? But it, it's just the the Peter, do you love me thing? Mm. Maybe it's grace. Maybe it's called grace. Okay. Uh, oh, tears me up every time. Mm. So good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, then we have the ascension. Yep. Jesus goes, gives the great commission, mm-hmm. and tells them to go to the city and wait. Yep. 
And so they lock themselves in the room until the day of Pentecost. Yeah. Now we got some to talk about. Yeah. As if we haven't already had enough to talk about. Yeah, it's true. So Holy Spirit shows up. Yet tongues of fire, or what mm-hmm. appear as tongues of fire, and they start. The apostles start speaking in tongues. Okay. I'm not going to back down from this. Okay. This is something that we have to acknowledge. Pentecostalism, Mm -hmm. the charismatic movement, Mm -hmm. would call this glossolalia, Mm -hmm. right? Heavenly languages. Heavenly languages. The miracle of glossolalia, according to the Pentecostal movement, is that people who otherwise speak a common language would speak an unfamiliar language mm-hmm. that would need to be interpreted right. by someone to be understood. That is not what is happening here. That is the exact opposite of what takes place at Pentecost. Yeah. At Pentecost, people who could not otherwise communicate mm-hmm. were miraculously able to understand and receive mm-hmm. the message of the gospel yeah. because they were speaking in tongues. Yeah. It is the miracle of communication when communication otherwise should not be, mm-hmm. rather than a miracle of um, hindered communication. Yeah. And so if someone wants to say, well, let's talk about 1 Corinthians, we'll talk about 1 Corinthians another day. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. It's not Pentecost. No. no. And so, so if people want to make an argument for speaking in tongues— from 1 Corinthians, I'm here for you. I can hear that out. Stop yeah. calling it Pentecostalism. Yeah. Stop taking Acts chapter 2 and saying, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Because it's not. It's 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 exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not introducing confusion. It's it's bringing in clarity. It's it's almost an uh, kind of an undoing of the curse of Babel. Right. No, for sure. Right? Where God confused languages, now he's miraculously giving people the ability to communicate in languages that they did not know before. Right. Um, in order for the gospel message to be spread more effectively. Right. And, and so I do that not to just say everyone needs to be Baptist. No. Or not charismatic. Mm-hmm. I do that to say... This is not just sort of a simple kind of like, oh, we see it differently thing. No, this like is this, clear. Like, when you read the book, it's this this part is really clear. Yeah. And yeah. and and then we start getting into things like what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fire and the tongues, does it because there are there are some charismatic groups that will tell you you're not even a believer mm. unless you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Evidence in speaking of tongues. Yeah. Or you're a different class of believer. There's, I've seen some some statements of faith that they've got like the the you can be saved, but you're not part of the like the upper class. You're not you're not really in unless sure. you've spoken in in tongues, right? And I've literally read that in statements of faith, which is whack. Um, what's interesting is the people's response. Some people are like, "Wow, this is crazy. This is amazing." Right. And some people are like, "They're drunk." Right. Which everyone says it's crazy. Yeah. Some people say it's crazy awesome. Some people say it's just crazy crazy. But here's the thing about like saying they're drunk. Like, you know, I have been around people who've had too much to drink. In in a past <laughs> life, B, Marshall B, BC before Christ, you know, uh, indulged too much. Never have I seen anyone 
able to miraculously speak in unknown like languages they did not previously know due to the influence of alcohol. It generally feels more like glossolalia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they become in in their <laughs> sometimes when when I've been around friends that are intoxicated in their own minds, mm. they're speaking deep. Oh yeah. <laughs> clarity yes. that didn't exist before. Yeah. But that's only because they're inebriated. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. To the to the sober mind, you're like, go home. Yeah, it doesn't bring clarity. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And then Peter launches into this sermon, which is like prototypical of like many sermons in the Book of Acts. Sure. Which is essentially, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's 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 talk about what Moses had to say. Let's talk about what the prophets had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and using that as the basis for what he is now preaching. Right. And I love how he gets pretty direct. And mm-hmm. and we see this kind of direct language because he talks about, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So we got the sovereignty of God. But then he says, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And so this whole, like, you crucified him, like, just let's be clear, you did this. This is what you did. This is repeated by Peter multiple times. This is repeated by Stephen, we'll see in shortly. Um, they don't pull any punches. No. They go for the gut. They do. And, uh, and, and the beauty of it all is that as he's preaching these things— they're getting they're getting to the point where they themselves are starting to be arrested. Mm. And then in chapter four, when they're they're in trouble for preaching the way they've been preaching, this new boldness and fire that's come mm. over them mm-hmm. uh, to speak the word of God, they they don't say, God protect us. They don't say God comfort us they say give us boldness mm-hmm. yeah not not stop the persecution from happening but god give me the guts to step on the gas pedal whatever may come mm-hmm. um man that that is convicting yeah and humbling mm-hmm. and maybe we have gone so far that we would say a shift of paradigm when was the last time we had the wisdom to say, give me boldness instead of praying for a hedge of protection? Hmm. Yeah. To say, not God save my skin, but mm-hmm. be glorified in me. Even in our evangelism, right? Sometimes sure. we, we desperately want to share the 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 gospel in an inoffensive way in a palatable way in a way that's going to be well received that's not what they're doing here i mean Mm -hmm. we want to talk about some effective evangelism three thousand in a day (laughs) (laughs) right Right? i've never preached a sermon like that (laughs) no no it's crazy um yeah i mean through the rest of the through the other chapters of acts here i mean we have ananias and sapphira that's crazy quick note mm. quick note the church wasn't required to do these things no some in the church had chosen to live this way mm-hmm. 
the sin of Ananias and Sapphira is not that they didn't sell everything mm-hmm. and give it to the church. It's that they pretended. It's that they pretended yeah. to be invested in this thing that they were not invested in because mm-hmm. they wanted what was to be glory for God, they wanted for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disciples are preaching. They get arrested. They get freed from prison by an angel. And mm-hmm. the next day, the priests are like, so those guys, they're still in prison, right? They're like, no, they're in the temple preaching. <laughs> it's like, so frust- it must be so frustrating for, for, the, uh, for the Pharisees. Oh, yeah. So not only them, but later, Paul, like you could not have worse enemies, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're going to do this thing that you hate. If you do it, I'm going to kill you. All the better. <laughs> How do you win? You can't. <laughs> you can't. Um, the, one of the last kind of, well, we get Stephen, who's one of the seven who's chosen to serve. That sermon. Yeah. He, he, that's, that's like history 101. He literally starts, let's talk about Abraham. (laughs) Here's the trick. If in 2021 Mm -hmm. you decide, Hey, I'd like to do the overview of scripture again, but I don't know that I have it in me to read the Bible Mm -hmm. cover to cover again, chronologically, just read Acts seven. Yeah. Yeah, just read Stephen's sermon. If we'd have told you that in January, you wouldn't still be with us here. <laughs> you would have skipped the whole thing. <laughs> but uh, but there you go. Or if you missed something along the way, there you go. Yeah. Review of the whole of Scripture. Yeah. And he, he calls him out. He says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. And so they stone him. And yeah. as he's being stoned, his last words are, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Like, that's that's the Christ like that's the kind of boldness is like he will call them out for who they are. He is not he's not afraid to say, you guys are in the wrong, and like you guys like you guys are terrible. Really, is what he's saying. Yet but, may the Lord have compassion. Yeah. Oh, right. Mm, so good, so good. Philip and Samaria. The Samaritans are starting to believe. Oh, here mm-hmm. we go. Here we go. Starting to spread things out a bit. Simon the magician. Well, yeah. well, he's a weird, he's a weird one, eh? Yeah, it's th- but I think this is really relevant to our day and time mm. because there are people who want a physical manifestation for personal fame. Oh, yeah. I think Simon the Magician is the first of a modern-day faith healer. Oh, yeah. And... uh we find out very early on in scripture that's not a thing. Yeah. You want like this whole idea of like trying to pay to get that ability. Mm-hmm. There's a institution, I don't even want to call it a school, that I, I will not name, uh, not far from us. That that's literally what they do. Right. They charge you a tuition, you go there and they teach you how to do miracles. Right. And we like from the very beginning we know that is not the way this works. Right. That is not how yep. that's not appropriate. Yeah. And and you may look at it and you're like, okay, well, like the idea of like buying this kind of thing, that's a different thing. Most of the faith healers that we have today mm-hmm. have some story of traveling to try to pay Benny Hinn to give them a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't work. So you go to a friend of a friend of a friend of Benny Hens and pay that guy to get a blessing and then you bring it back and you're like, hey, here I have this thing now that I can and and it is not far from this. No. 
No. And and that's that's one specific account, mm-hmm. but many accounts like this. Oh yeah. Yeah. The final story, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, which I really enjoy. Um, yeah. I lo- I love the I love the picture. I'm going through the book of Acts with a couple guys I'm doing discipleship stuff with. And I love, I just like to picture this, you know, this, you know, Royal official in a chariot riding along the road. And Philip just like runs up next to him. And he's like, Hey, what you wh- reading? What you reading? <laughs> Do you understand it? I can help. Right. right. Isaiah 53. What are the, cha- like, well, it's not what are the chances. It's the providence of God, obviously. Right. Cause right. like, he's like, I don't get this. Who Who's he talking about here? And Philip's like, I know he I hears, he believes. Mm-hmm. He's baptized. He sees the water and he's baptized. Boom. But he didn't go through a class. He didn't do yeah. eight years of seminary. He didn't <laughs> that's, me- memorize that's, Bible verses. Yeah, that's because <laughs> Philip never had ecclesiology in seminary. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and now we now we know better. Yeah, seriously. So, with that concluded. That was a that's a whole lot. I mean, we zoomed we zoomed oh through goodness. acts. We <laughs> we did such a terrible job, not in not in getting through the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're over forty minutes. Yeah, it's going to be another long one. We tried, but as far as like unpacking things that people are going to be like, wait, you didn't talk about what about this thing? Yeah, just send us an email. That's that's one of the struggles of doing the thirty thousand foot approach. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful in the way it unpacks the progressive revelation. Mm-hmm. Love it for that. Mm-hmm. But it is not going to dig in. It mm-hmm. can't. That is why we are on a steady diet of dig in. Mm-hmm. And this is a break from that steady diet. Yeah. Because it is something that is also beneficial. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to sermons, Bible studies, all of those kinds of things, that's where we have the habit of really digging in. Um, and we will always be about that. But this overview that shows us the progress of Revelation is also important, although sometimes it will leave you longing for more discussion on particulars. <laughs> Highlight? <laughs> Highlight for me. Um, yeah, one of the things that happens, and, and this actually came up in discussion Tuesday night at Youth, when Jesus is crucified, there's an earthquake. Mm-hmm. And the curtain in the temple is torn in two. And as we were discussing the gospel, and as we were discussing the cross with the with the kids uh, earlier this week, I, I I was asking the kids to kind of how would they articulate the gospel? Like what is what has you know the things that Christ have done? How has that restored our relationship with God? And one of the kids just said it's kind of like brought down a barrier. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm glad you said that. And so we had this discussion about this whole idea of the, the curtain and, you know, separating the rest of the temple from the Holy of Holies. And Did it have anything to do with a garden? No, we didn't do the garden. There's a children's book called The Garden, the Curtain, the Cross, which is fantastic. It's a children's book. Go buy it anyway and read it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Because you'll be blessed by it. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, it's It's a children's. It's accessible to children, but it is universally applicable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. What what I love about this curtain being torn is it's just this perfect object lesson, I suppose, of, of what has happened is that this separation between God and man has been torn up. And, uh, and that's what we all need. That's what we all needed desperately. Mm-hmm. And that's what Christ's sacrifice has achieved. 
And so mm-hmm. the whole idea of this curtain being torn in two, I just w- would have loved to see the look on the faces of the priests when they saw that. Mm-hmm. And they made, like, I would hope that some of them made the connection. Sure. Yeah. I, it, for me, it was what wasn't said. Just the amount of time that Jesus stood there quietly. Hmm. It, everyone's baffled. Like, Pilate can't wrap his head around this, right? We defend ourselves. We're wrongly accused and we defend ourselves. Yeah. And Jesus is just like, I got a job to do. Hmm. And the longer we sit here arguing about this, the longer it is until that job gets done. And the humility of Christ. Hmm. The humility of Christ that I don't have for my fellow man. Oh, it was, yeah, tough stuff. Mm-hmm. But thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church of Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker and all of that in cooperation with Gospel Coalition. Bye. <laughs>